Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Okay, uh, I'm Mitch Gameforth. I am a member of the pit crew here, and it's a pleasure to be in front of you guys. And I'm going to start um, by just reading through the parable today. Um, it's Luke 18, 9 through 14. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else, for I don't cheat and I don't sin and I don't commit adultery, and I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O God... Be merciful to me, for I am the sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Let's pray. Lord, I just um, I thank you for the opportunity to be up here. I pray that you would set fire to my words and give me the gift of teaching. And calm me as I go through your message, Lord, because we want to hear your words and not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. So a couple years ago, my wife is Russian, and um, we had to get renew a passport um, for her to get back and forth between Russia and America. And we were going up to Washington, D.C., and uh, there was a friend of ours who lived in Washington, D.C., also Russian, and um, we had prayed on the way up there to um, really be able to share Christ with her. She was in a lot of pain, and we really wanted to have that conversation. So we prayed on the way up there. We prayed the day before. Lo and behold, on Saturday morning, we were eating breakfast. Uh, Jesus uh, really opened it up for us, and we started to have a conversation with her about who Christ was and what he meant to us in our lives. And she opened up to us about some painful things in her life. And it was a really great eye-opening conversation. And, and she invited us to um, her church the next day that she had gone to a couple of times, but she really wanted um, some support. So we said, we'll, we'll go. And it was a Russian Orthodox church. And so Sunday morning, um, we are heading to the church, and uh, we stop you know, right when we get to the church. And she says, okay, here's um, some head coverings. And so the girls in that church have to wear head coverings before they go in. And, you know, I'm, you guys, some of you don't know me. I'm from this area. Um, you know, I'm wearing this suit, so I kind of came up in the Baptist tradition. Um, <laughs> But um, most of my time has been spent in non-denominational churches or um, like this church, Vineyard Church. And uh, we don't really have any hold fast rules to anything we have to do before we enter the church. And so in my mind, in the back of my head, I was already thinking, that's weird. That's different. That's not really cool. And, but as we started to walk up the stairs, um, they had to stop and they had to kneel. And they had to do a big cross. And then they had to stop and kneel and do a big cross 
and I'm ready to get inside because I'm already in a bad mood. And I'm saying, what are you guys doing? They said, well, we've got to kneel in reverence to the church before we walk into the doors. Okay, whatever. So we go into the church, and let me explain to you this building. It is a, if you ever walk into a Catholic church or another type of Orthodox church, huge building, high ceilings, mosaics everywhere, um, stained glass windows. Um, it's dark in there, and, and I'm looking around, and everybody's kind of standing up, and, um, and no one's really sitting down. And the, and the very first thing I notice is there are no chairs. There are no chairs in this church. So I'm thinking, positive, maybe it's only going to be 15 or 20 minutes. <laughs> very short service, get in, get out, great. I look at my wife, and I say, hey, how long is the service going to be? She says, three hours. Okay, so now I'm really in a bad mood, right? So I'm looking around, and I'm, I'm looking, and they've got these columns, and at the bottom of these columns, they have a picture, and it's a picture of a person, and they're, what, what the person is, is it's a saint. And so they're going, and they're buying candles um, from the church for a dollar apiece, and they're lighting them in front of the saints, and they're praying to the saints. Now, again, think about where I come from. I've never really prayed to saints. I didn't know anything about that type of tradition, and I'm starting to criticize it in my head. I'm going, these... These guys are preaching, uh, praying to saints. What are they doing? And I think, and the church is making a ton of money off of these candles because each one of them has got like five or six prayers. No wonder they can afford such a big building. So criticizing this, and the, there's a big wall, and behind this wall, you, you, they start singing, and they're, and they're kind of swaying back and forth. And you can't really see them because they're behind kind of a half-hidden wall, and you can see their heads, and you can see their feet. It's the priest. And they're kind of singing. They're singing in Russian, so I don't understand really what they're saying. And all of a sudden, they kind of do this for a couple minutes. They come out, and they've got like a little thing with a chain on the end. And then they've got the incense, like you would see in some kind of movie or something like that. And they're, they're singing, and they're singing. And I realize that this whole thing is going to be in Russian, so I'm not going to understand anything they're saying. And um, I've got another like hour and 45 minutes to go. So they stop, and the priest gets up, and he's kind of standing like I am today. And he's going, and this is how it sounds to me. do 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 do, 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 and the crowd goes, do, do, okay, so I'm going, great, I love this, and so don't understand anything that's going on, and then it's about two hours into this service, I'm really upset, really angry, and they read one thing in English during this whole time, I'm going to read it to you today. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness, and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat, and I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery, and I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O God, be merciful to me, for I am the sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. When they're, staying, when, they're, when, they're, when they're praying in that church, I noticed a lot of people were doing this. They're praying, their eyes were down, they're looking at the ground. I thought it was because they didn't have chairs 
They're giving themselves a little bit of a break. But I realized today that what they were doing is they're emulating the tax collector who wouldn't even dare lift his eyes towards heaven. And here I am, a Pharisee, judging everybody else. I was prideful about the way I worshipped God. In, the pride, in that pride, I lost sight of my need for the Lord. And this is what this parable is about. So let's dive into the passage. Who are the Pharisees, number one? Um, how do we view them today? Personally, uh, I've always viewed them as kind of evil. For some reason, I kind of think of Jafar from Aladdin, you know. As far as a South Carolina kid goes in, he's the guy with the turban pointing fingers at people, hindering the genies, you know, and I'm going, that, that's like them. But we think of them tend to be evil. We think about the crucifixion of Jesus. We think about all those things. And, but, you know, that is not how the listeners um, in Jesus' time would have understood them. So let's look at their beliefs. Here's what the Pharisees believed. They believed in the Messiah from the Davidic line. That's from King David um, that would come. And he would come and he would save Israel from Roman rule and usher in a time of peace and bring Israel to power. See, they were also known as the separate ones because they believed by following the rules set in the Old Testament, this Messiah would come. So they would help usher in the Messiah by being separate and following all of his rules. See, these guys were actually very popular during this time. They were for Israel and against occupation from Rome. Popular idea at this time. They were like the stand-up guys in the community, um, for God and for country. Always popular idea. So the listeners of the story wouldn't have seen this guy as a villain by any means. The only reason we know now the condition of their hearts is because Jesus started to reveal this to the disciples and to us. And I'm going to paraphrase a story that happens in Matthew chapter 16, verse 1 through 12. The Pharisees come up and they ask Jesus for a sign. And Jesus, this is right after Jesus fed about 4,000 people with a couple of loaves of bread and some fish. So he just says, no, not going to do it. I'm not going to show you a sign. And um, they get on the boat, Jesus and the disciples, and they're going to a different town. And the disciples realize they forgot the bread. There's going to be a lot of people at the town they get to, and they want to make sure they can feed them. So they start arguing about what to do about this bread. And Jesus says, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees. Now they're really screwed up because they, should we not buy bread from the Pharisees? They don't know like where they should buy bread from. They don't know what to do in this situation. So Jesus says, guys, why don't you get that I'm not talking about bread? You see, yeast is microscopic. But when it's put into dough, it spreads throughout the whole loaf very quickly. Jesus was saying that the Pharisees' questions for a sign were like yeast. It's a microscopic evil that is spreading through the disciples at this point in time and affecting their faith in Christ and what he can do. Let's take a look at the Pharisees' prayer. He starts off with, I thank you, God. Starts well, right? Then he uses the word I eight times. I am not a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat, I don't sin, I don't commit adultery, I am certainly not like that tax collector, I fast twice a week, I give you a tenth of my income. Now, if you go to um, www.dummies.com, 
it will help you find the subject of a sentence. I had to go there because I didn't pay attention in English class. But the someone or the something, doing the action or being talked about in the, is the subject of the sentence. So who is the subject of the sentence? I can hear you, by the way. I, but who is the subject? The Pharisee. The Pharisee is the subject of the sentence. He is the one doing all the actions, right? So fill-in number one is the Pharisee did not recognize his need. Let's take a second look and review the Pharisee's claims. We're just going to focus in on the claim that he is not a sinner. It will cover the other ones, okay? So let's go to 1 John 1 through 8. If we claim we have no sin, this is John speaking, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. So we see that the Pharisee is quite obviously a sinner, but he doesn't recognize that he is a sinner. He is only concentrating on what he does better than other people. He is not comparing himself to God. Now, guys, this is a delusion. The reality is that the only being we should compare ourselves to is God. Comparing our strengths and weaknesses only to other people is like the old joke. If a bear shows up in the woods, I don't have to be faster than the bear. I just have to be faster than the guy next to me. Now, let's take a look at the other person in this story who is the tax collector. Now, how do we look at the tax collectors today? Do we love them? Not really. I mean, we don't really love them, right? I mean, it's not something that we're like, we're not like, yeah, taxes. You know, we're not like that. We are not huge fans of the IRS, you know, or its employees a lot of the time. But the major difference between now and then is that we as a nation have agreed to the terms of our taxation. We created a government and we voted in officials. And we all agree on some level that we need protection and infrastructure to maintain our way of life and that our taxes will pay for that. Now, we don't agree on how the government spends our money, but we need to stay on track with this conversation. Now, (laughs) just in case, imagine (laughs) we are occupied by another nation. I'm just going to pick a nation. You know, let's say China decides to occupy our nation. and They come over and they need our taxes to pay for their occupation because now they've got to make money off of this transition, right, this transaction. And so some of our friends and neighbors, they decide to go over to China and, you know, go over to the government officials here and say, you know, we will collect taxes for China. And so they start, your friends and neighbors start collecting taxes from you for China. But not only that, they start to get rich because they not only take the taxes that are due to China, but they also take as much as they want that's extra, and it's completely legal in the eyes. How would you feel about that? I think your feelings would be hurt. Just a guess. So 
This is exactly the situation in Israel at this time. Rome had occupied, and the Jewish people had become tax collectors and gotten rich off of their own brothers. So the rabbis considered payment of this occupation tax to be sort of a sin. So imagine how bad it was to be the tax collector. I will give you a couple of examples. This is from rabbis. Rabbis declared that as robbers were a disgrace to a family, so were tax collectors. Promises were not to be made with murderers, thieves, and tax collectors. A tax collector could not testify in an Israelite court. And the synagogue was not supposed to accept the alms or tithes of a tax collector. So the tax collector here is clearly not the good guy. He is not the hero in this situation. He is, in essence, a thief who is robbing his own people at this point in time. But let's look at the tax collector's prayer. Starts off with, oh God, again, starts well. Oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. Now, some of your texts say a sinner, but I'm going to say it like this. Oh God, be merciful to me for I am the sinner. You see, the old Hebrew word that's used here signifies that he was saying he was the sinner, as in the chief sinner. The worst of the worst is how he was describing himself. If we go back to um, dummies.com, Who's the subject of this sentence? I can hear you. Tax collector? Who's, who? No, 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 no. He says, oh God. Oh God. So what is the subject? It is God. Why? Because he is being talked about and being asked to take the action in the sentence. Now what is the action? It's providing mercy. Right? So, notice the tax collector does not give any reasons that he deserves mercy. It's because he doesn't have any. doesn't have any reasons. Second fill-in is the tax collector recognizes his need. His need for what? Well, his need for God and his need for mercy. See, the Pharisee doesn't have any reasons either. But he tries, right? He, you know, he tries to convince God of his worthiness. He says, look at, that pr- look at that prayer again. I am good. I belong. I thank you for making me awesome. That's basically the essence of his prayer. Have you ever been broken up with? And I'm not talking about the type of situation where you've been for a while and it's just you both know it's got to end and it's going to hurt for a while, but you're going to be okay. I'm talking about that one scenario that usually comes up in life where this was the person that was like the girl or the guy of your dreams. This was going to be the one. They were perfect to you in your eyes. And you were perfect too. Like you showed up on time. You watched the movies they liked to watch. You ate the food they liked to eat. You showered them affection. You did everything you could. Everything you could. Never farted once in front of them. (laughs) You all know what I'm talking about then. (laughs) But then they're breaking up with you. And you are trying to convince them of your worthiness. But no matter how much you beg, and no matter how much you try to show them, you never quite live up to that expectation 
that they had for you and you realize that you never could. That type of feeling. Well, when we stand before the Alpha and the Omega, the living word who spoke the universe into existence, the only source of goodness where all love, joy, and warmth comes from, a being that clothes himself in light, literally wraps himself in light, it's important to remember that we have nothing to offer. One half of this couple is dating way below their level, okay? Now, we have to recognize our need for him. Your third feeling is this. Only those who recognize their need will receive it or have their need met. You see, the tax collector recognizes his need and asks for mercy. Mercy is compassion or forgiveness, shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. You see, in one sentence, that tax collector is submitting to God's authority to punish or harm him, and he is admitting that he is unworthy of mercy because he is a sinner. See, mercy is like a cover. It insulates you or it envelops you um, from harm or vengeance coming your way. Um, I was in the car a while back and I was driving down the road and I heard this story and it's about a father and son who live in, they lived in Pennsylvania and, uh, but they were from Libya. They were Libyans and this was during the time when uh, Libya was overthrowing Gaddafi and uh, the whole family had left because of Gaddafi's regime and they were all in America. So they said, we love the country we came from. We're going to go back to Libya and we're going to help overthrow this tyrant. So, they go back to Libya. They train for a couple weeks. And they get in a car or a caravan to go to the, the destination for the battle. And they get hit with a missile, an ICBM. Envelops the car in flames. And when the crews came to, you know, clean it up and, and figure out what happened, they thought there was only one person in that seat. But what had happened was the father had seen the missile or whatever it was that hit him. And he had jumped over his son and tried to completely cover his son with his body. Tried to protect him from the fire and from death. And it worked to some extent. The son's body was way less burned than the father's, but they both perished in this accident. Um, No matter how dirty or sinful that tax collector was, He knew one thing. Unlike the father who couldn't provide his son the mercy from death and destruction, our father in heaven can. He has the power to cover us and protect us from death and hell itself. Amen? Amen. You see, Jesus was labeled a friend of tax collectors, and and he accepted that label with glee. He says in Mark 2, 17, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. And my friends, as this parable points out, we are all sinners. But the good news is this. The scornful thought, if Jesus was labeled as a friend of tax collectors, it would be the final nail in his coffin. And it was. But with every nail that they drove into him, 
on the cross, Jesus secured our mercy, your mercy. He secured our place with the Father, your place with the Father, with the Alpha and with the Omega from the beginning to the end. As he cries out in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He secured it right there. If you want proof that Jesus loves the Pharisee and the tax collector equally, think about this. Paul, known also as Saul, was a Pharisee. In the beginning of Acts, he was killing the disciples, but he was humbled, and he recognized his need for the Lord, and the Lord granted him mercy. Because of this great joy, Paul wrote something like 75% of the New Testament. He became the missionary's missionary. He became a martyr for Christ. Love God to the end. Matthew, you may know him from the book of Matthew. Wrote the book of Matthew. He loved Christ. He was a tax collector. You have both of them right there in the Bible. Wrote it. The last verse in this parable goes like this. It says, those that humble themselves will be exalted and those that exalt themselves will be humbled. My question to you today as the band comes up is will you humble yourself and ask for God's mercy? We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.